Welcome to Diverse Joy, a podcast where two so-called experts bring the joy back into conversations about diversity. My co-host is this stylish and brilliant Dr. Will Cox. And my co-host is the fantastic, <laughs> beautiful, oh. and extremely brilliant Dr. <laughs> Amber Nelson. And today we have a special guest. Uh, our guest today is Nikki Vandermulen. Mm -hmm. She is a defense lawyer specializing in work with kids that have disability or accommodations needs. Uh, she is also on the Madison Metropolitan School District School Board. In fact, she is the first ever openly autistic person to Ooh. be elected to a school board in the United States. Okay. Uh, when she's not busy visiting the White House or the Wisconsin governor's mansion, um, she is also one of my dearest, most wonderful friends. Uh, please welcome to the podcast, uh, Nikki Vandermulen. Hi. Woo! Welcome, welcome. So Nikki, uh, tell us, uh, we always like to start off with hearing about what's bringing you joy. Um, what's bringing me joy right now? One. Dogs always bring me joy. Uh, yes. yes. They always will. But two, with the fall coming, it's absolutely football season. Mm. I am a huge Badger fan. Big Whoop. on Bucky. Um, love every aspect of the game. Mm -hmm. Also love being able to see it and go with my family, get That's to check awesome. out that. I also am a bit spoiled to get access to uh, the W Club, a letter winners club. Ooh. Oh, okay. Hey. So if it rains, I don't get wet. And you, do you like the energy of the big crowds? Or? I like the energy, but I love the band. Ooh. Ooh, that's what really. I don't blame you, yeah. That's what really does it. I don't blame you. That is pretty exciting. That's and awesome. our band is one of the best in the nation and one of the few that high step, actually. Awesome. That's awesome. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, this time of year, while I am not necessarily a big football fan, but I, I love sports, so and especially live sports. So if I go with somebody that knows the game and can like explain things to me, then I'm here for it. Um, but I also just love like it's the beginning of the school season, right? <sighs> and I teach and not not littles, adults, but <laughs> It's I just love back to school season and just the buzz of getting ready for a new school year, going back to school shopping. Smell like, of new erasers, fresh new out of erasers the package. And backpackers. <laughs> the backpacks are wonderful with yes. the school board. We get to do welcome back day. Yeah. And um, so seeing little 4K and kindergartners with backpacks that are three times bigger oh than God. they are. So cute. It's just adorable. It's literally the best time of year. And like I said, I teach full grown adults and doctoral programs, but I love going to the stores and seeing all the back to school stuff and like doing my own back to school shopping and like getting all my supplies and getting ready. Like I said, just for another school year and what's going to, you know, what students am I going to have and what's, what's the year have to offer? So I love, I love, love, love this time of year and, and this changing of the season too, you know? It's yeah, a great so time. it's the fall crisp air. Yeah, I like. the crisp air. Apple cider, pumpkins. Oh, so great. Yeah. So great. Well, what's bringing you joy? 
It's bringing me joy. Well, I also like this kind of change of season. I, I feel I always feel funny about it because it, especially here in our Wisconsin winters, when we have them, uh, it's like, oh, we're just dying for spring and summer. But by this point, I'm tired of the hot weather. I, I want that cool, crisp air that's yep. that's starting to come. And so so I'm excited for that. Uh, otherwise, uh, uh, lately, there's been one of my favorite TV shows airing. Uh, it's called Star Trek Low. Decks, and it's kind of the wacky, silly Star Trek. Uh, it's animated, and they're able to kind of poke fun at Star Trek a little bit. And it uh, stars Tawny Newsom, who is always hilarious. What do you want, Jennifer? Ugh, what are you doing? Cardio, plus a little strength training. So you work out by staging Cardassian prison breaks. Yeah, what do you do? Uh, yoga. Wow, how unique. Whatever. Captain wants you in her ready room. Look, I know we're not supposed to have interpersonal conflict, but I really hate that Andorian. All right, here we go. Computer, resume progress. Ah! Um, and I've really been enjoying this season. Uh, uh, it's almost over and I'm going to be sad when it ends, but uh, it's been a lot of fun. This wasn't our official recommendation at the end of the show, but it streams but on Paramount Plus. <laughs> um, if people want to check it out. In today's episode, we get into some exciting conversations about a number of different topics, uh, but occasionally we throw out an acronym, and I want to make sure that you uh, know what we're talking about. So at so a couple times, we're going to talk about something called the MMSD. What's that? Well, that's the Madison Metropolitan School District. It's the school district here in Madison, Wisconsin, where I live, uh, along with our producer and today's guest. And today's guest is on the school board of the MMSD. So just so you know what that is. We also might talk about the ID. EA or IDEA, which is the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. Um, lastly, we might toss out the, the acronym ADA, uh, just in case you don't know what that is. That's the Americans with Disabilities Act. Uh, but yeah, uh, so uh, today we're excited to have Nikki here for all of all of her uh, expertise mm -hmm. and experiences, um, but especially in her capacity as a school board member, uh, she has been a huge advocate and actually done the real world work related to today's main topic. Um, and and the topic we wanted to talk about um, is disability desegregation. And just to kind of define that a little for people, in case they don't quite know what I'm saying, is there are a lot of movements in school systems uh, to put kids. Uh, uh, with physical or mental or other kinds of disabilities uh, to separate them, to segregate them to different classrooms, sometimes even to completely different buildings right. um, and in ways that, that really aren't justified. Um, and, and even with kids, uh, just because of a physical disability, they will... Uh, school systems will be trying to put them in a different building uh, away from other kids who are of the same mental uh, level, same uh, reading groups, all yeah. that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. And it's become a really big problem. Yeah. Um, and so, Nikki, do uh, you want to share a bit a about? Absolutely. And it's a very big problem because we went from no integration on disability to Embracing integration, and right. now we're going backwards. Back. Oh, my god! And it's the yeah. backwards part that just really gets me. Yeah. I wasn't supposed to be in public school, period. Um, I was born 12 years before the Americans with Disabilities Act, which, which was created in 1991. So 
Because of that, my mother had to uh, sue the district to be able to get me into public school because I was supposed to be in an institution-based setting. Wow. Got a law degree instead. Mm. But very, very simply, segregation is not acceptable. And I don't just mean in the building even. You need to be able to have access to the materials. You need the aides. You need the staff. You need to be able to give that. And what we're doing by not paying teachers and staff Mm. what they need, Mm. we are dealing with a massive teacher exodus. Absolutely. So now we're going, okay, we have to put these people somewhere. And yes, unfortunately, the reason I use that sentence is that was said to me by a board member on a uh, former board member who um, stated when we built a building to segregate the most disabled students, stated, y'all, we need to put these people somewhere. Wow. These people. <laughs> wow. Wow. While staring directly at me. It's like, um, okay, I would never use those terms, period, right. on right. anyone. Right. And as someone with some white privilege, I've never, it was one of the first times I've had it directly used at me and it's like okay so that's that's how we're doing this now mm-hmm. i don't think we need to compare race right. and disability no diversity and inclusion includes mm-hmm. disability absolutely but absolutely. i really worry that our students aren't getting what they need um in these schools mm-hmm. But but it's also uh, causing harm for the, the students who don't have particular accommodations needs because they aren't getting the exposure and the interaction to people who are different from them, right. where they could be gaining skills about how do I interact with someone who maybe doesn't make eye contact the same way right. I do, who or communicates the same way. Exactly. Yeah. And um, we're, we're seeing it now with the workplace. You learn best as a child on how to mm. and the social mores yep. and how you deal with other people. Absolutely. During the time where mainstreaming was the absolute most important goal, mm-hmm. we had kids who were learning to be educated with kids who were different than them. Right. We're starting to get now homogeneous classrooms. And by doing that, now you have kids who don't know how to handle it. Absolutely. And that that's a detriment to them as well as to children with disabilities. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And and like we we're saying that it's it's a dis- detriment to to both. Right. Yeah. Neither are learning getting the socialization that they need. Right. Yeah. They're not getting not access to the education. Both actual like content but also the social education and how to interact how to um yeah learn beside and not stigmatize others right i'm glad you said social education Mm -hmm. people always assume education is book learning right especially to someone who's non-neurotypical right the socialization part isn't just having fun with your friends right it's learning how the world works when to talk when not to talk, right. how do we react to the crowd? How do you react to other yeah. situations? Yeah. If We learn by doing, right. many of us. Yeah. And that's things you cannot teach in a exactly. book. 
Exactly. Yep. And there's some of that that's the modeling, right? Seeing yep. how other kids are doing it with also kind of explicit telling you, like, did you notice this is how we're talking to each other, right? So it's not just seeing and being around it, but it's also kind of explaining and explicitly saying this is what's happening right now and then having the opportunity to practice and be in the space so that you can be learning how to do it in real time. I was a Montessori kid. Being mm -hmm. able to, because my first preschool kicked me out because I couldn't walk right wow. at three and a half. Yeah. But then I went, that's the best thing that ever happened. Mm -hmm. I got to go to a Montessori preschool that had every animal known to man. That's Goats, awesome. dogs, sheep. <laughs> you so name great. it. They, it was the best learning because you also learned by doing it. You could yeah. see how someone does this. Absolutely. And how to do each thing. Yep. My mom said that I used to come home and practice the songs in my room to practice the hand motions to try Aww, and teach that's myself. So great. Oh, I love that. I love that. And um, another part of this issue that always strikes me, and Nikki and I have, have talked about this in the past, is the kind of... I'm going to misquote this, but the quote is something like the, the tyranny of labeling, which is you get this label disabled. It includes so many different things. Someone who, who just has trouble walking. And as far as yeah. the book learning side of things is, is, uh, uh, um, on pace with where they're supposed to be. Some people who maybe not might not be on pace, but physically they're fine. All the physical, mental, and emotional disabilities lumped together, and then it's, oh, well, you're disabled, so whoops, you're out of the classroom. Right. Uh, and this is how some of these school boards have tried to make things happen. And then and then so you have someone who's they're in a wheelchair, and that means they're they're in a classroom that in many ways, isn't meeting their needs. Right. Uh, but it's because, oh, they got the, the big D, the disabled label, and so they're out of so-called normal classrooms. One of my first school board meetings, we couldn't see the speaker because she was in a wheelchair and they'd put the dais directly in front of her so you couldn't see who was oh, speaking. Oh, jeez. Wow. That was in 2017. Wow. We also don't do it well for adults. Right, right, right. <laughs> I had to um, explain <laughs> to um, the superintendent at the time, um, that's not... Okay, and I, and I said at the meeting, I hope this will be corrected. She's like, uh, immediately. Immediately, I'm yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. We didn't realize. I understand that, but it's 2017. We need to do better. We, we need to we do better. We are expected mm -hmm. to do better. Yeah. We need to do better. Mm -hmm. The other issue that we're seeing a lot of is separate but unequal, which is mm -hmm. materials that mm -hmm. aren't necessarily designed. People just assume... Oh, this individual has these disabilities, so yeah. they cannot participate. They can't do it, yeah. That's not necessarily the case. I don't want someone just in the room watching SpongeBob. This actually happened. Which happens, absolutely. Oh, no. oh and yeah. Instead, no, they need to be part mm -hmm. of the lesson. Mm -hmm. And people do not realize that that happens. Oh, they're in the room. Yep. In the room isn't enough anymore. Absolutely, yep. Like they're in the room, like watching SpongeBob while everyone else is yes, right. not. Yep. Oh no. Yeah. And like a potted plant, basically. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but it's dehumanizing. Dehumanizing, absolutely. Because yeah. it's like, well, what do you want to do with me? Right. Right. Well, and one of the things we were talking about off camera before we started was. 
you know, that one of the big pieces of this is acknowledging, like getting over some of the stigmatization of those folks that have disabilities, whatever that might be, to acknowledge and recognize that just because there's a disability does not mean that they cannot do or cannot learn or cannot access. But we do have to accommodate and make sure that we adjust how they're getting the content in a way that's going to work for them, but not say they cannot do this. Right. And if we, if we can't, if we cannot accommodate the, the material and the content to access it, then of course they're not going to be able to learn the same, the same or reach their potential or get there. But again, it doesn't mean that they're not smart or that they can't do these things. And I have seen, you know, um, I grew up, my mom had a foster care home for adults with developmental disabilities. And we had a number of folks that came and that lived with us that were institutionalized, that were segregated and did not get the education but we're so they were so smart and it there were so many times that we were like it is so sad to see this adult who did not get access to the to content or education and things that they could have had so much more potential in their life but the school systems and things pulled them out and said oh because you can't speak or you have these disabilities you're never going to be able to amount to anything and so because of that we're not even giving you any accommodations to access the knowledge and the learning we, and have that capacity. We have a saying in the disability community of presume competence. Mm. Mm. That's mm. the first thing you must do. Yeah, It does not matter if an individual happens to cho- not be nonverbal right. but uses a communication device. Yep. That does not mean they right. are competent. It means right. they do it a different way. Absolutely. Yeah. And as for not n- not... Under, underestimating what people do. Um, they, my parents were told educating me was a waste of time and money. Mm. That's happening again. Wow. That's starting to we're happen again. again. Mm. And that's what really scares me yeah. is because we were finally getting away from that model. Mm. But due to the chronic underfunding federally yeah. of IDEA, Individuals with Disability Education yeah. Act, we don't have the staff. Okay. I was going to say, what do you think is contributing to to this kind of, you know, we went the, the desegregation and mainstreaming to now kind of segregating again, what might be contributing to that, especially in a world that is seemingly much more attuned to to awareness and inclusion, what, what you might, what might be contributing to lack it? lack of funding. Yeah, yeah lack, of, lack funding. of funding is huge. It, uh, the Individual Disability Education Act was created in 1973. And it stated, they, the federal government stated they'd pay 40% of the cost of special education if the states paid 60%. The feds have never paid more than 17% and pay wow. between 7 and 9%. Now. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So uh, as always on this podcast and um, in a lot of our uh, collective broader work out in the world, we always want to look forward. Like, what would the ideal look like in case, in in this case of uh, a desegregated classroom? So we would want uh, kids to be together with the accommodations they need, uh, l- learning together. Right. And I was wondering if t- talk a little more about that and, and how we believe that can work, presumably with the appropriate funding. right, right, right. <laughs> with, well, right now we have at MMSD we have the robots. The robots are for homebound students with mm. disabilities, and it's literally a 
3D robot. And then, kind of like an iPad on a, on yeah. a thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a Bob's Burgers episode with one of well, those. That's exactly yeah. what it looks like. Oh, cool. That's great. Uh, and, and so they could actually interact with the class. That's very and, cool. Uh, and they it seem works to be working incredibly well. well. That's great. Unfortunately, the cost of them yeah. is we have five, and that's the most we can do. Mm. We have 32,000 students. Wow. So we're doing the best we can, mm. but funding-wise, we have to do that. Secondly, I want people to learn where they're at. Yep. That means AIDS. That means yep. assistance. Yep. That means the ability you can do lectures and always have someone have a part. Yep. Even when I was in school, I in biology, because I can't dissect, no one would trust me with a scalpel. No, mm. sure they. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no depth perception equals no scalpel. Right, right. No. But I was the gopher. Mm. I was in charge of getting materials for mm-hmm. everyone else. Mm-hmm. Worked just fine. Yeah. I was involved. Yep. Everyone understood, and no one wanted me to use the scalpel right. anyway. Yeah. And it didn't mean that you couldn't still learn by no. watching somebody else cut it open, right? Yeah. Like right, I could tell still, them how. Exactly. You could be a part of it. Like, you don't actually have to be the one cutting, you know, doing the cutting in order to still learn and access the information. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people are like, well, they're not physically doing it, so it doesn't count. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. I can tell you exactly right. how to do it. Right. I can't get my body right Right. and And the point of doing it isn't we're not trying to have kids learn the skills of dissection (laughs) you're supposed to be learning about the inner workings of biological bodies right and you're not learning how to be a surgeon right yeah like Like, they don't leave (laughs) middle school with a surgery certification (laughs) right right Right. exactly exactly Mm -hmm. all right so uh nikki did you have any other uh bullet points on this main point before we take a break no all right well uh thank you as always for being here we're gonna take a little break and then we'll be back with story time great Welcome back from the break. Um, So, Nikki, thank you so much just for this conversation. I think it's so important, um, especially in school systems, but not only in school systems, like larger around just diversity and inclusion. Um, And I think that it's particularly important because I think disability, when we're talking about our Jedi Jedi work and training, (laughs) disabilities tends to be one that doesn't get included. And just like we're talking about the segregation piece, right? It seems like, oh, we can, we we remember, you know, sexual orientation and we remember gender and remember racial and, you know, race and ethnicity, but often um, disability Disability gets kind of sidelined, and so I really it appreciate happens all the time. Yeah, uh, MMSD did a report, fifty thousand dollars study on 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 d- diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. It didn't mention disability. It once. didn't include disability. Oh. That's huge. Yeah, and in one of our very first episodes, we talked about how there are all these different acronyms and why we like that that Jedi acronym. One that I've been seeing popping up in my work with organizations around the country is IDEA, like the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, except instead of DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, it's IDEA, 
inclusion, diversity, equity, and accommodations Accommodation. because mm. of the recognition of how much disability and accommodations falls out of quote-unquote diversity discussions, which tend to focus primarily on race, maybe secondarily on gender, and, and tertiarily third yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on uh, LGBTQ plus sorts of things. And people tend to see that as diversity. Yep. And then it's like, oh yeah, and also maybe accommodation uh, sometimes. Maybe. Accessibility, um, yeah. but, but just as important... Uh, and we are the largest minority group in the yeah. world. There are millions upon millions, mm, almost yeah. a billion people with right. disabilities. With disabilities, yeah. and, and anyone could join at any time. Exactly. And, well, and that's a really good point, Nikki. Right? Like yeah. that. It's not just neurodevelopmental. It's not just things that folks that are born born with a disability, but folks. A, a lot of folks become disabled over time in a variety of ways, whether that's, you know, cognitive capacity or physical mobility or other things that happen that cause, you know, disability over time. And I, again, I don't think that that's something that we always yeah. connect to that, that even if you've never, you never grew up with a disability at some point in your life, you very well may become disabled yeah. in some way. And, you know, we, we're very optimistic on this podcast in general. Um, and we always hope that people are going to be willing to do Jedi work right. because it's the right thing to do. Just common decency. Uh, but, but with, with disability, you know, if, if not for common decency, care about disability and accommodations selfishly because you might be in those shoes someday or. <laughs> yeah. Anyone yeah. who uses a curb cut, for example, exactly. how do you parent Yummy. any individual carry things? Thank the ADA and the ability to have yeah. that. And you know what? You know what I think maybe we should do? We should have Nikki back for another episode yeah. where we talk about how, you know, accommodations really do help everyone. Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. I would our, be glad to. Yeah. yeah. Our producer is trying to wave us down. What's up? Clarifying some of these statistics, uh, our wonderful producer looked them up as we were talking. Uh, so according to the CDC, 26% of the U.S. population um, has has a disability. About and one in four. About yeah. one in four, yeah. yeah. And uh, according to the World Health Organization, 1.3 billion people uh, have a significant disability. So, uh, And that's about 16% of the world population. That's huge. Yeah, and it's be going to grow even larger because of post-COVID. Mm. And long COVID symptoms mm. have already increased that. Mm. So that statistic is probably already out of date Wow, based wow. on that. All right, so one thing we always love to do and we're excited to, to have you here today for is story time. Story time. Uh, so in our story time, we always uh, either one of us shares or mm -hmm. ask our guests to share, as as is, as is the case today. Uh, one more negative story, so some some hardship, some time when maybe bias or, or prejudice uh, created a, a problem, but then uh, followed up with a, a positive story, a time that someone did inclusion well, did accommodations well. Uh, and Nikki, you've brought some stories for yep. us today. I'm in a math science mode lately, so <laughs> right, Love that. which is a little new to me. But mm -hmm. um, the two I'm going to bring up, the negative one uh, was a physical science class that I was taking in seventh grade, and I had asked the teacher for accommodations, and he and I also asked him to follow 
my IEP, and he stated, he, and the IEP is I, a individual education plan, and, and those are the the those plans are the for, student plans that state what accommodations I am allowed to have under the law and at the school. Not just allowed, you're legally required, mandated, required. To, legally yeah. mandated. Mm-hmm. And when I when I asked, I said he said he'd think about following the IEP, mm-hmm. and I was 13. And being the typical Aspie self that I am, Aspie short for Asperger's, the autism community does not spell out that word. Mm-hmm. Because Asperger was a Nazi. Right, right. Just for the audience's <laughs> edification. And, and it's no longer part of the DSM, um, so we talk about the, autism spectrum. Y- yes. and, and even, well, now we're on a tangent. That's a whole but, other conversation. That's, all, <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. But, <laughs> but, uh, but sometimes... Uh, Folks like Nikki adopt the Aspie mm-hmm. as a as a self label f- yep. that is yep. yeah. Well, I, he stated that he'd think about following the accommodation, and me and my Aspie logic at thirteen said, "What's there to think about? It's federal law. You have no choice." Mm-hmm. <laughs> the That's future so lawyer. That's so good. <laughs> I love that. So I got a detention for talking back. Mm. I objected. We both got sent to the office. <laughs> the principal co- separates. Brick comes in and starts with me and says, I need to work on tact. That has never happened. (laughs) And it probably won't. But then he looks at the science teacher and replies, but you need to work on your law. Mm. You just don't want to hear it from a 13-year-old, but Mm. she's 100% right. You don't have a choice. (laughs) Right, right. So do it. Yeah. Mm. So they had to hire a lab assistant so I could tell him how to set up the thing. Got an A on the test. He threw it at me. Wow. Oh gosh! Wow! 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 Luckily, the good story is much better. Oh yeah! yeah. Awesome! Yeah, so, so that. what's the joyful story? The joyful story was in high school biology. We were doing a sense lab, and you had to prick someone, touch someone with the pin to see where their sense receptors were. Mm. Oh. Well, they go to graph the data, and of course, my my sense receptors are the back of my neck. Mm. The majority of yours are in your fingertips. Mine are not. Mm. And it's just the way that my cerebral palsy affects me as well as the autism. Mm. Teacher stops the class because everyone is saying she did it wrong. Teacher's like, nope. This is what we call you take the subject as you find them. Mm. This is an individual who her medical condition specifically causes. This data is kept, but it is not included because it is what's called an outlier to the situation. And this is how you handle it. She didn't do anything wrong. That is what her senses are. Mm, wow. Wow. And it was almost understood of, no, it's not an error. It's supposed to be that way. Yeah. yeah. But it just can't be graphed in a scientific manner. Yeah. No. Wow. Oh, that's, really that's good. nice. And, and that's before did, we had the term neurodiversity. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is but that's what we would call it. Yeah. 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 Still in touch with the professor. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's so great. Aww. Thank you, Vitz. Because he, he's great. Yeah. But he understood it because it's like, Okay, yep. he could have mm-hmm. made it much different, but he's right. like, no, I want yeah. people to understand yeah. that it's not an error. Right. 
Right. And not only centered you, your experience and, and norm, it normalized it. Yeah. Right. And saying like, while it is, it is um, an outlier, that doesn't mean that it doesn't count. Right. Like right. it's an, it's not necessarily, it's not on the quote unquote, like average curve, but it's still on the curve. It's just on the other end. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. That's great. Do we have a question from the audience? From today? the audience? Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, as is one of our early episodes, uh, those of you who are listening or, or watching, right. uh, We'd love to hear your questions, comments, ideas that you think you'd like to hear us talk about. Uh, you can send those to us at diversejoy.com. But as we're, we're uh, recording our first few episodes before we built an audience, right. uh, we've uh, gathered questions. Both I, I got a bunch of my wonderful research assistants at UW-Madison to uh, pull together a battery of questions. But also we're bringing in questions that um, as Jedi scientist practitioners or practitioner scientists, questions that we've gotten or heard from audiences in the past when we've done trainings or guest lectures, things like that. Um, and especially for uh, when we have my wonderful friend Nikki here, uh, one question that I've definitely got uh, from folks when I've, I've given my bias habit breaking training um, is what's the difference between using the term autistic person versus person with autism? The, it's an excellent question. And it happens a lot. What it is is the majority of the disabled population uses what's called person-first language because they see themselves as a person first and that they're disorder. There are two exceptions to this rule, the deaf community and the autism, autistic community. Mm. We see it as a source of pride. Mm. So mm -hmm. the autism is part of me. I cannot separate who I am. So it's not I'm with it as one thing. Mm. It is part of everything I do. Mm. I am proud of that. I don't want to get rid of that. Mm. That's not to be an insult. Yeah. 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 And a large number of people refer to it at, as what's called identity first language. Right. Yeah. Now, there are some who do not, and that is a highly individual personal choice. Right. Sure. Yeah. And I, I think it's um, not too un too hard to understand when you when hearing you describe it like right. that. You know, if we think of it related to kind of other sorts of identities, like if uh, so, I'm a gay man. Right. But if you called me a, a man with gayness, it right. sounds like, oh, some disease I caught. <laughs> You've been afflicted with yes. gayness. Or, right. or like, you know, a black person rather than a person with blackness. Like a, black, a black or a black person. Uh, and, you know? and yes, that's mm -hmm. the other thing. Mm -hmm. So in. Uh, uh, in the realm of race and uh, also sexual orientation, mm -hmm. back in the day, people would use the what we would call the adjective now as the noun. So yeah. there are a lot of blacks in this place, or yeah. oh, look at the gays over there, yeah. and that started becoming a thing where we we're like, let's let's make it a modifier, a right. black person, right, a gay, gay person. person. Don't right. use it as an all encompassing noun. So putting right. that person in there became important, mm -hmm. um, and so. Yeah, rather than making this affliction, oh, a person with the autism they got. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I like that you use the word affliction, mm -hmm. and this is why. Often autism is described in medical-only terms. It's yes. what we mm -hmm. call the medical model. Right. And because of that, for a lot of us, everything was done medically. Right. And we feel like lap rats, a lot of us. Ooh, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's a further way to say, no, I am not 
a lab rat. Yeah. If you want to quote Rocket Raccoon, I am not 8214. Right, right, right. Yeah. Rocket uh, Raccoon is a character from Guardians of Guardians the Galaxy, Galaxy. <laughs> which is a, a, a movie that uh, Nikki and I and, and, and Amber and, and our producer, Eric Cronenberg, <laughs> we all really enjoy the we Guardians of the Galaxy love, movies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if I if I were to clarify, um, yes, our Rocket producer. P one three eight nine P one three yes. She's like, I'm gonna write that down. Eight nine. Just P13. in case there are any Rocket Raccoon <laughs> fanatics out there who are like, eight, ooh, nine, you got the numbers wrong. P13. Numbers and letters. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm sure there will be. So we want to make <laughs> yeah, sure we get yeah. it correct. Uh, <laughs> there we go. I love P13. it. I love it. Uh, but but I, yeah. So my question is, um, again, along that like identity first versus person first. If you were to tell like the average person who maybe didn't know how somebody identified or whether they wanted to use person first or identity first language, what would you say is the safest, the best way to kind of go? Safest way to go is to assume identity first in the autism community. But since it's not always evident, just start with the first name if you know it and yeah, then ask. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Start with your name. We don't have, <laughs> start with the name. We don't have to do the identifiers first, right? And then ask the person, like, how do you, how would you want to be identified? Are there, are, or, or are there any aspects of your identity you want to share? Are right. Are there any aspects of your identity? Because, um, like, if it were yeah. something, like, we do that on the podcast before we start recording. Like, right. my in my introduction, I say, this is what I, mean. I, I think you would like me to say. Like, is the wording right? Did you, I, and we went through that. But if if it were a case where I was like, oh, maybe there's something you want to share, I, w- I think I would say, yeah. yeah. Are there aspects of your identity that you would like people to know yep. that you think would be important for understanding your things- experience? One of the, sorry to cut you up. One nope. of the things that happens in the autism community a lot is people who think they're complimenting and they're not. Mm. You don't look autistic. <sighs> I don't know what that means. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, it, well it, you know, and, and not to like compare, but some in the same way, somebody might say like, oh, well, you don't, you're not, you don't act black. You know, I'm like, mm, what, what? What does that mean? I don't know what to do with that. I I, I don't know how I feel about yeah. you saying that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. 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 But you don't seem gay. Are right. you sure? Right. Are you sure about that? Like, mm. Two weeks before sure. I got sworn in, in the Senate parlor on Autism Awareness Day, I was told by a legislator that I must not be that disabled if I had a law degree. Wow. And he meant it as a compliment. Wow. 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 Yeah. Wow. yeah. And this is said at parlor. Wow. Yeah. Yep. And that goes back to conversations that we've had around intent and impact too, right? Like the intent is to be complimentary, right? When the impact is like, this is incredibly dismissive. This is incredibly offensive to say those things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we, part of the other part of our podcast is we do questions and stories, but we also include a skill from the habits, um, hab- habits, wow, habit, bi- <laughs> bias, bias, habit breaking <laughs> training. I mean, words, words are hard sometimes. <laughs> words are hard. Yes, exactly. Aphasia <laughs> happens. I like that. Um, so Will, what is our, our skill today? All right. So this is coming from that tools portion of the training where if you remember, if you, you want to work on breaking a habit, breaking a bias habit, got to be motivated. You have 
to have some awareness of how these bias habits play out. And then you need tools that help you retrain things uh, in your mind, in your behavior uh, to, to be less biased, more inclusive, all of the above. And then you apply those tools, putting in effort over time. Mm -hmm. But this is, this is one of those tools. Uh, and our tool uh, that we're doing in our skills section today is uh, to do perspective taking. Mm. So this is something that many of you have probably heard of before. It's a, it's a thing people talk about, and there's been a ton of research behind it because it is very effective at kind of helping people reduce their bias and increase their, their inclusive kinds of behaviors. What perspective taking involves, um, it involves trying to imagine what it would be like to be in another person's situation. And I want to be clear here that you can never know what it's like to, to be in someone else's place. So, mm. so for instance, as, as the video viewers can see and as, as the audio listeners have, have heard us to talk about, uh, I'm a very white-appearing person. Anyone who looks at me, I'm white. Um, I am never going to know what it's like to be a black man walking down the street and have people act like they're afraid I'm going to rob them or right. think I'm going to be violent in some way, which is an experience we know uh, ma many black people face on a daily basis. I am never going to know what that experience is like, right. and I don't want to pretend that I do. But I can imagine, like, like, if I were in that situation, how would it feel for me? And I, for one, imagine I think it wouldn't feel good. I think it would make me angry or hurts, uh, make me frustrated at, at the world and, and, and so on. And doing that kind of emotional work actually mm. uh, is, is really important, has a number of effects for us. One, it builds a more emotional connection to those types of experiences, which very often uh, our, our empathy and our emotional connection is kind of cut off from people who are different from us in one way or another. Um, there's a lot of research showing that empathy for someone from a different racial group or a different social group isn't as strong as when it's uh, for someone of your own group. And so doing this kind of exercise helps build back up that empathy, helps right. make that kind of emotional I'm connection. Glad you say that. Um, we had a 15-year-old recently testified with a school board mm. on lack of disability accommodations in school, and she was told during the emergency drill, hope that someone gets her mm. because they didn't have the equipment set up and someone will rescue her. Wow. Oh, they hope <laughs> that they someone hope. gets her. Oh, wow. Oh. And as she put it, I'd like to, and I am and I am going to work with her on this, was I'd like people to be able to go through to see what it's like to navigate East High School right. with blindfolds, with other right. obstacles, so they yeah. can at least understand what I have to do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So it's so kind of a literal walking in her, yes. her, yeah. her no. shoes and uh, Absolutely. With her. Yeah. And also, I'm getting the stair climber added because for it's called a climber in which it could go up the wall so it could oh, rescue yeah. mm -hmm. someone. And it could help rescue someone because I'm sorry, it is not a safety plan. Right. Yeah. To right. say, Wait. Just stay here yeah. and somebody will come. During an emergency with alarms going off and right. maybe smoke or whatever. Imagine right. what it would be like to it's be. terrifying. Well, yeah. that happened with me. When I first started on the school board, I asked about the then security chief. Um, what the plan was for individuals with disability in an emergency. Right. He said, we have to work on, work on fixing things for the normal students and then we'll get to the disabled. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Ugh. Well, we had um oh we in 
19, I think it was 1991. I'm going to mess up the year. So <laughs> you can double check. But in California, they had this massive um, planned short, um, they shut the electricity out because yep. they were doing, you know what I'm talking about, I right? I remember this. They had this whole plan shut down so that they could do some repairs on the electrical system, and all that. that. About- and they did not, accom- they did not think about the disability community, people that need their electricity for life-saving things. And they had zero accommodation. They had no plan for no generators, no no plan for the disability community. And they were like, what... uh what am I going to do? I don't have my, I need my ventilator. I need my oxygen. I need this. I need this. I need this. And they're like, uh, well, you're going to have to figure out how to get out of this community into a place that we're not shutting off, but made no accommodations, no oh, thoughts. Man. But I think you were absolutely right. Like getting, doing, or your student um, doing activities that allow for that perspective taking is really huge because then it builds this internal awareness of like, oh my gosh, I had no idea like how scary this would be or how this would feel. And so the next time something happens, now I have this internal schema, this internal awareness, and yeah. now I'm going to be much more um, proactive about setting the stage, not just for myself, but somebody else who might need it in this yeah. situation. Yeah, and if you can if you can build that emotional connection, it, it does exactly what you just said. Like, you get the feeling, I never would want anyone else to feel this way. And, and so you make sure that your behavior yeah. and whatever you have influence over, right. uh, make sure that that doesn't happen. And that includes working on your own biases to make sure you don't slip up and do or say something that, that marginalizes that person. Um, but, but also, uh, doing, doing positive things. So the story I wanted to share related to perspective, taking something away, I've used it. That's been, been beneficial. So, uh, a few years back now, I, I was giving a, a talk, um, doing the bias habit breaking training actually. Um, and um, it was in a, a relatively small room with chairs all set up in rows. Um, and, and the session went really well. But at the end of it, uh, there was someone in the back of the room who raised her hand. And, and she was in a wheelchair and sitting behind the last row of chairs. And what, what she drew our attention to was she said, did anyone else here notice that the way this room is set up doesn't meet minimum ADA requirements for how, how rooms are supposed to be set up? There's no way for someone in a wheelchair to come and be, be fully included. And and this afforded me a really natural opportunity to do perspective taking. I went back to my hotel room that night and I thought about it. I was like, well, gosh, what was that like for her? She is coming to a session about diversity and inclusion. And And she had to sit behind everyone. She couldn't chit chat with a colleague sitting next to her. She, she had to to feel excluded and, and it gave me a real emotional reaction. Just kind of thinking that through feeling excluded hurts and, and no one wants to feel that way. And what it did, the emotional, emotional mark it left on me changed my behavior from that day forward. Every time I walk into a room now, I can't even help it. My eyes look around and say, if someone comes in a wheelchair today, how are they being fully included? Where, where's the area that they can roll up and just, just be part of the group. Can they get down the aisle and, and so on. Not just when I'm the presenter, but just when I'm an audience member, I look for that because so often chairs are just set up by, by, you know, whichever random person is willing to do the physical labor and, and they're not, I don't know, certified or right, anything. They don't right. necessarily know the rules. And and one thing I want I like to emphasize about that story is 
as a so-called expert, mm-hmm. um, if you had asked me before that session, before before I did that perspective taking, what are the rules? What are what do the legal are the legal <laughs> requirements set out by the ADA for how to set up a room? I could have told you. I I, I had the knowledge in mm-hmm. my head, mm-hmm. the, the facts, but facts yeah. don't always translate to changing your behavior. Yeah, but after right. I made that emotional connection, connection yeah. from that day forward, I translated the facts to my behavior. Right my action to make sure every room that that I'm a part of is right. is going to be ready for someone in a wheelchair, someone mm-hmm. in a walking accommodation. Your thing on keeping a uh, on how rooms set up is huge. <clears throat> I was at an event in Milwaukee several years ago that Barack Obama was speaking at, mm. run by the Democratic Party of Wisconsin. Mm. They ran out of chairs in the VIP room, so decided it was a good idea to ask the disabled how disabled they were. <gasps> To be able to take the chairs out of the VIP, to put them in the VIP area. Wow. And this is wow. a good opportunity. What would be a better way to ask that question? Yeah. So yeah. rather than how disabled are you? How um, are you? You know, uh, how, how what are, are you comfortable standing? Needs? Are you yeah. comfortable standing yeah. with a bit? Yeah. But they didn't. I had a friend who talked, mm. immediately talked to the head. What stated they will see Sasky it now until she put me in the VIP, and that's also how I got to meet Obama. Nice. Also great. The problem, because I'm like, you can't ask it. No. You're going to get massive. Well, like, yeah. I, I can handle it. Mm. There are people who emotionally are going to go, I'm not putting up with it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we always have a couple of visual extras on the the video (laughs) side of this. So we're going to have to get uh, Nikki's pictures with Biden. Yeah. yeah. Our governor, Tammy Baldwin, one of our senators in Wisconsin. Wow. Uh, And you have a picture with Obama? Yes, I do. Okay. All right. So so we'll make sure we get those from you and we can can stick them in the video. (laughs) And a picture of me just being jealous. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we can do that. <laughs> I even got an Elizabeth Ward up there too. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's Nikki, awesome. Nikki's a mover and shaker. No kidding. On national no stage. No kidding. Yes. <laughs> well, one of the last things that we we always like to close out the the, the episodes on is a recommendation, something that like brings us joy, and that's whether it's media or books or things like that that we're kind of consuming and 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 interested in. So, Nikki, do you have any recommendations yep. for us? I'm rereading a book right now called Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Oh, it's yeah. currently a movie also by Judy Bloom. I haven't mm. seen the movie portion. The book, however, is absolutely fabulous. Oh. It's about a 13-year-old girl and and how to go through puberty, how we're discussing things like me- menstruation, how mm. we're dealing with boys, mm. a scene of how I can make my bus bigger, just yes. some of the social <laughs> yeah. things yeah. that girls go through. Yeah. I bring this up because this is one of the most banned books in the United States. Oh, wow. Because it includes the word masturbation in it. Mm. Oh. Well, like, oh, I'm, maybe our producer can help me with who this quote was from, but if a book is banned, go read it and find out what they're trying to hide from what you. What are they trying Absolutely. to hide from you? Yeah. Well, that's how I got a hold of it. My mother, my town, Whitewater, tried to ban it. Mm. And so my mother bought every book by Judy Bloom wow. and handed them to me, saying, These are going to be bad soon. I think you should read them. Wow. Aww. Wow. So it holds a really special place in my heart because yeah. why would we censor information? Right. It's a good question. 
Yeah, I, I haven't. I haven't read the book or seen the movie, but I have heard lots about it. So uh, definitely going to be picking that up probably on audio. I like I like audio books. But oh, audio books are amazing. <laughs> They're the best. I'm neuro, you know, I have ADHD. So getting through a reading a text versus listening to a text are two very different experiences. So. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, so it's Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. It's yep. the title of the book by Love Judy it. Bloom, And yep. it brings Nikki joy. And Yay. so I'm sure it will bring many of our listeners and, and viewers joy as awesome. well. All right. I am Dr. William Cox. And I'm Dr. Amber Nelson. And today's guest was the amazing Nikki Vandermeulen. Uh, you can <laughs> learn more about her. And if you want to uh, connect with her her political campaign when she runs for, for school board or other political offices you might consider in the future. Uh, her website is NikkiForSchools.com. And Nikki is spelled N-I-C-K-I for schools.com. And for is spelled out. No. Yeah, or yes. yes. Oh, yes. yes. It is F-O-R. Yes. <laughs> so, NikkiForSchools.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you. I was like, what are, what are you what? talking about? It's not the out. number four. F-O-R. It's not the number. F-O-R. <laughs> and, of course, uh, on our website, we'll, we'll have a direct link to it that you can click. Produced by Eric Roman Bining with music by Jay Arner. Diverse Choi is consumable as either an audio-only podcast or a video podcast, both accessible at diversejoy.com. Diverse Joy is the official podcast of Inequity Agents of Change, a nonprofit devoted to the dissemination of evidence-based approaches to reduce bias, create inclusion, promote equity, and enhance diversity. All that good Jedi work. <laughs> Learn more at bias habit.com. Thanks for listening.